All right. This is Teachers by Day, the podcast by teachers where we talk about life and all its craziness outside the classroom, offering our unique perspective. As always, guys, this is Lance coming at you with episode 20. Can't believe we're already here, but here we are. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Jeff. Jeff, hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but we are just three weeks away from being back in school. La, 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 la. I can't hear you, Lance. I don't know what What, you're saying. What are you going to (laughs) do over the next three weeks to really maximize the time that we have left? That's a great question. So I actually have some work I have to do this week. And then my plan these last two weeks, I've been making myself this promise all summer and I have not fulfilled it. I want to have at least like a three consecutive day stretch where I do nothing, like feel so lazy and useless and just lay on the couch. So that's my goal. And if I can achieve that, mission accomplished. I got my vacations out of the way. We're going to talk about in this episode, a fun concert we went to. So I definitely think I've lived up summer. Uh, now it's time to me for me to just kick my feet up and be a slob. How about you? Before I talk about me, I just want to, at what what level of veg are we talking about over those three days? Are we talking like you don't even get dressed to leave the house kind <laughs> of level? Like, So I'll do like, I guess, a little workout in the morning, but I want my Fitbit to buzz me at least like three times to be like, are you alive? Mm-hmm. Do you have okay. a pulse still? Get up. Yeah, I feel like you'll make it a solid one day. I know. And I'm by not the <laughs> second day when you're trying to do it again, your body's going to just revolt against you. Yeah, probably will. I'll find I, I it, the worst part is I find like really unnecessary things to do around the house. Like uh, the other day I cleaned behind our washing machine. Like I don't know why that needed to be done, <laughs> but <laughs> mark that off the to do list. Was it filthy? Was it too bad? But us like. <laughs> never actually cleaned back there there was like a i found a sock that i was looking for so it's not they always are hiding back there yeah i i cleaned the the stovetop earlier but not just the stovetop but the actual burners themselves i cleaned oh nice that's that's the level i was at earlier today so there we go it's like kind of like covid level uh cabin fever that we get yeah yeah it's it's pretty bad i i actually walk around the house looking for tasks to what can i get myself into like, I wish something would be dirty in this house. It's a horrible, horrible thing, but yeah. Um, yeah, but for me, the next three weeks, uh, I will not veg out for three days, but I am definitely going to relax. Like Jeff, most of my big stuff is out of the way for the summer. Um, so now it's just kind of mentally preparing myself for the incoming school year and basically going back to the full-on chaos. So enjoying time spending with uh, my wife, with my daughter, and just... Uh, hanging out without going outside too much because it's like Satan out here. Man. Because you will die. Yes. Can't make it. All right. So that was our warm up. Let's get into this lesson plan. I'm excited about this one. Um, so this last week, Jeff and I were both lucky enough uh, to be able to participate and attend one of our favorite bands. Uh, they were in town, Blink-182. So Jeff and I, we've talked about it multiple times on the podcast so far about us preparing for the show. Well, it finally happened. We got to go um, and it was amazing. I mean, I'll be honest, for me, probably top five, if not top three concerts I've ever been to. And you've been to a lot. So that's yeah, I've I've been to quite a few shows uh, throughout my life. And 
this one was up there for me. It was really, really good. Um, what did you think? Just overall, because this isn't your first time to see them. No. So this is my third time seeing Blink, um, but the first time with Tom DeLonge in the okay. band, which like no offense to Matt Skiba. I actually like him a lot and I like the album that he did with Blink, but this is Blink-182, right? Mm-hmm. Tom DeLonge, Travis Barker, and Mark Hoppus. So I think also with Mark Hoppus's, um health issues, like he beat cancer last year, I was thinking this might be their last world tour and part of that being the impetus for Tom coming back. So even though I know you and I talked about how like ticket prices were just insane, I'd been saying the whole time, this is not a show I was going to miss. So mm-hmm. getting to go to attend this and having it live up to the high level of hype that I had um, was just like an, a perfect highlight for the summer for me and something that I'm really, really glad I got to do. Yeah, I was genuinely curious how much people were paying for the people that for those obstructed view seats. If, I don't know if you could see where you were seated, but yeah, there was people literally directly behind the stage. Like that was my I, biggest fear. It was uh, it was interesting. But because uh, we didn't we were talking about this. We didn't know the stage setup that mm-hmm. they were going to have. Like sometimes when Taylor Swift performs, she's like in the middle of an arena. So. Yeah, there's really no obstructed view because there's no like stage setup or screens that are blocking your vantage point ever. But this one was set up. They probably had like maybe 85 percent or 90 percent of the lower bowl you could see. But because of where their stage was behind it was uh, basically you could see like a, a screen. Or yeah. I don't know if they had like speakers or something. How was your obviously you sent me a picture of where you guys were seated. How did you feel like that was to view the show? Did you feel like it was a good spot? Yeah, I liked it a lot. And another thing that was really nice is we were on uh, the aisle as well. So mm-hmm. the way that the uh, arena we were in did it, basically our two seats were like extended out from the mm-hmm. row in front of us. So we didn't even technically have people in front of us, even right. though the row was filled up, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, we were we sat on an aisle too, and it was awesome because the way that ours were, the seats were stacked up quite a bit higher than the other one. So even the people that were standing in front of us, if they stood and I was still seated, I could still see the stage just fine. So that was yeah. awesome. But And speaking of standing, there's a guy like kind of catty corner to us who, uh, you know, an older gentleman. I don't know if he was there with like his son or daughter or someone else, but when everyone stood, when Blink came out, he was like kind of like, ugh we're standing for this. And I was like, dude, this isn't a John Williams concert. Like <laughs> try to sit down. I don't even think you can do it. Couldn't pull it off. When we saw the Eagles, they performed for three hours and nobody stood the entire time. It was kind of glorious. Isn't it? I mean, it, I'm sure it's nice if they played for that long, which by the way, that's insane. But I, for a band like Blink, that would be I'm just yeah. weird. I would feel like I'm disrespecting them by <laughs> that's sitting what, down. T and I were talking like when we, when they were first coming out, like, is this going to be a standing concert or a seating concert? Because we're kind of borderline now in that age group. I know, like, which is wild, but whatever. So I think Jeff and I came up with three things that we wanted to kind of highlight from the show that we wanted to talk about. I'm sure we'll go off into some major tangents as it starts to progress. But Jeff, I will defer to you to kick this thing off. What is your one big takeaway that you want to leave from Blink-182 show? Yeah, and I'll say one thing to our listeners, if you're at home and you're like, I'm sort of apathetic about Blink-182 as a band, or I'm not even too familiar with them. I think my list also um, is going to talk a little bit about concert-going experiences in general in the modern day. So uh, don't tune out if you're not necessarily the biggest Blink-182 fan, because I think there still might be something here for you. The first thing I will say, so I've probably been to like five concerts in the last two years, and 
I know that this is what Tom DeLonge specifically brings to Blink-182 when they play live, but I thought this was something very unique to a lot of different shows that I've seen. And not everyone will like this, but it really worked for me. And it was the banter between uh, Tom and Mark in between some of their songs, like the comedic riffing they would do with one another. I'm assuming most of it, not all of it is off the cuff, except for a few setups they have for their next song. But I don't know if you've ever heard the live album. Um, oh God, what's it called? Is it called the Tom, Mark and Travis Mark, show? Mark, Tom and Travis show. Yeah. yeah. But that one, what's so unique about that is it has like they keep in all of this banter that mm-hmm. they have in between sets and it's very juvenile humor. It's <laughs> like the lowest common denominator jokes. Like they talk about like, I don't know, poop and stuff, like that. Yep. <laughs> but I still laughed at it. And, uh, I, I can't repeat it on the pod cause there's some inappropriate humor that they had. But to me, that was like sort of the unique flavor that Blink-182 has. And when I, I was like coming of age as a teenager, the stuff that like really grab made me like gravitate to them because I was like, even though these guys are like in their twenties and they're, you know, professional musicians, they still laugh at a fart like I mm-hmm. do, or they'll still make like the dumbest joke about someone's mom that, uh, they're still making in their 40s now. So I thought that was like a cool, unique thing that Blink that did uh, in between songs. Yeah. I, after we left the show, my wife and I were on their way home. And we were literally, I looked at her and I was like, I feel like Tom and Travis grew up and just Tom never did. Because yeah. his banter was just so like, I know, 12 year old <laughs> compared to even like Mark said some off the cuff and kind of inappropriate things. Sure. Travis said one word, which was great. But, um, but Tom was just like so low down i was just like at a certain point i even looked at him and was like come on man yeah he he pushed <laughs> it a few times i did laugh really hard though when i can't remember the exact context of it but when <laughs> mark said uh why don't you just quit the band again Trey yep. Tom? <laughs> i laughed pretty hard at that i did too I, <laughs> it's like the fact that they have to put fun at it at this point so it's what was one takeaway you had uh so my first one this is kind of a overarching one but it happened specifically at this show um so like walking in, um, just the large blend of people that were there uh, was just really cool to see. I, I'm going to say some things that are kind of stereotypical, and I'm not meaning that to be offensive to anyone, but like a stereotypical like punk guy, like a guy that's around my age, but he's very pierced up, very tattered up. Um, and then there was kids that the guys that look like they probably go golfing on the weekends. And then yeah. like uh, even like younger kids. Uh, there was a bunch of parents that I saw with their kids and they were both decked out in Blink stuff. And that was really cool to see. That's cool. Parents and kids. You don't um, see that in the concerts. I know. I literally looked at, at T and was like, I really hope like my daughter's into this stuff when she gets older and I can take her to a concert. Cause I would totally geek out on being able to go to a show and sing oh, yeah. songs together and things like that. That'd be, that'd be fun. Um, but the really cool thing uh, that kind of hit me and made me kind of emotional was when we got to our actual seats, uh, we were chilling there and, you know, watching a couple of the openers go on and, stuff like that. And then uh, a girl walked in that was sitting in front of us. She walked in with her parents um, and I happened to notice that she was blind uh, and her parents were guiding her to her seat. And I was like, it's really freaking cool that like you can still experience this even yeah. as someone that is visually impaired. Like, <clears throat> and it, it, like being at a concert and feeling the music as opposed to just hearing it in like your car or at your house or whatever is completely different. And For the sure. fact that you still get to do that is amazing to me it made me like so like teary-eyed just i don't know why i'm just a sap now but that's cool i saw that and i was like that's so cool that you still get to experience this and listen to this like the vibrations of it the atmosphere of everybody has got to be like still such a cool experience insanity right 
and it was awesome. Yeah, the the sound quality there was great. So it was right on point. But yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say just to piggyback on that, I I like a lot of really nice people at this concert. Like sometimes you go to a show and people like stressed out or they're like. Mm-hmm. You don't know the band like I do. Shut up. But everyone yeah. I interacted with, either like in the line to buy merchandise or like the restroom line or even just like around our seats, was like it was just a cool uh, like people were just there to have fun. Nobody was right. like being belligerent or obnoxious, which is I mean, it's different. I guess if you go to like a festival, it's probably more likely to happen. But um, I think everyone was just like, dude, we're going to see Blink and have fun. Like, yeah, no worries. I think one thing I'll say is because there was such a unique blend of people there it kind of just reiterates the point of like, if we focused more on the things we have in common, as opposed to our differences, like how different society could be, if we just realize we have more commonalities than differences. Uh, and then to piggyback off that last point, the hectic and most crazy concert I've been to with the biggest amount of like a-holes that I've ever dealt with was at an Ed Sheeran concert. Really? Yeah. Like just nut job people. Like <laughs> literally during his set, like three people around us passed out from like over drinking. Like just at Ed Sheeran. At Ed Sheeran. Yeah. That's what I said. But that's wild. You anyway. could have listed like ten performers and bands that he would have been like probably the bottom three that it would have Yeah, I don't know what it was okay. So to be fair, it was at an outdoor venue here in August. So hot. And you pair that with people drinking copious amounts of alcohol, and it's just a recipe for disaster. But anyway, wow. craziest amount of people and <clears throat> biggest amount of jerks was at an Ed Sheeran show. But go blink. <laughs> Good job. All right, Jeff, what's your uh, number two? All right, I am biased here, but and I'm no like music expert, but I think Travis Barker, the drummer for Blink-182, is the greatest drummer of all time. <sighs> He does things like he carries this band like Mark Hoppus will even admit like I'm not a good bassist like everything we do is three chords and it's very very simple. Every single song of theirs even ones you don't think about like Miss You which is one of their slowest songs Mm -hmm. that is all Travis Barker like pretty much every again they play like that's pretty much all the guitars play Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything else is Travis like on the rim of the drums or like the snares in the background and then not on top of that and Lance you had sort of tease that you had read that this was happening at shows and he's done something crazy at all of his shows as a way to perform because simply just drumming like an incredible drummer is not enough anymore for Travis Barker. He has to continually up the ante for probably four or five songs. And I was actually worried like they forgot about him. They elevated his <laughs> drum set like 40 feet off the ground. And he was just, dr- I went to a concert before with him where they spun him upside down slowly as he played. Mm-hmm. He doesn't miss a beat. In fact, might even get better when he's raised from the rafters, but he was up there for so long. I was like, I hope they don't like walk off stage and like forget Travis. He's just like, like, (laughs) and I don't think people realize the way that he drums, like it must be exhausting. Like the workout that he has to do up there live. Cause every single one of their songs, basically even the slower ones, he is like, it's like a frenetic energy that he has to produce on the drums and seeing him live for the third time. uh, It just reiterates again, I don't have like an expert ear. I don't have a background in music, but like I cannot imagine there is a better drummer in the history of the world than Travis Barker. Yeah, he's he's definitely up there. Uh, I would rival Neil Peart, uh, R.I.P. from Rush. Uh, if you've ever seen some of his drum solo stuff, it's purely insane. But Travis Barker, to your point, as far as just pure energy and like a frenetic playing is he's got to be 
up there, like top dog. I, yeah. I looked at my wife at one point and was like, he's got to be so sweaty under that beanie. Like, <laughs> no, like, oh my God, he must wear that to like keep the sweat out of his face while he's playing. So it doesn't like drip down while he's getting his eyes while he's trying to play. Not that he needs it because at Dude. one point he even blindfolded himself and still was playing. But um, yeah, he's, he's absolutely insane. And like, to your point, Mark and Tom are playing in what I would say, not the most complicated chord progressions or anything like that. Um, I do have a little bit of a, background in music but travis's bpms that he's playing on the drum set while they're doing that is insane and i i love all aspects of music i actually like instrumentals way more than lyrics generally that's what i hear more when i hear music so like i'm sitting there at my seat and i'm you guys aren't going to be seeing this on podcast but jeff will see i'm sitting there in my seat going dude i do like, that too <laughs> like just drumming away can't help it. Uh, there's like little parts like there's a part in always where he does this like drum fill in it. And every time I hear it, it gives me like goosebumps. I don't even like that song that much, to be honest, but yeah. there's something about that drum fill that I'm like speaking to my soul here. I know. Yeah. And when, when you see the live, like you can hear it just like on, you know, on uh, like a headphone and you don't exactly pick up on it. But when you see it live, you realize like he is the catalyst to everything that they do. Like <laughs> they could not um, play such simple songs and have them, I think resonate with people. If Travis wasn't able to just be like, so above and beyond what the average drummer is even in a good yeah. band he's uh it's crazy that he wasn't originally with the band i was reading some more about them and stuff like that and um what was i gonna say oh was he on dude ranch yeah no that was uh scott rayner that was their original drummer uh apparently he had like a little bit of a some demons to deal with and they ended up kicking him out of the band and that's when they brought travis in um and that's really what what it, to your point, that's kind of what catapulted them into like stardom and fame was like yeah. the Enema of the State album and everything beyond that. Now that he joined the band, what I was going to ask earlier, and this I'll just segue it now since you're doing it here and talking about him. Have you talked? Have you listened to any of like the other like side projects that any of the guys have ever did? Um, I obviously a lot of Angels and Airways. Uh, I really like Plus Forty Four. Yeah, Plus Forty Four is awesome. And Boxcar Racers. To be mm -hmm. honest with you, between Plus Forty Four and Boxcar Racers. I don't know the difference. Like, is it Mark and Travis, but then just like a different third person? Because they both, to me, I definitely hear Travis and I definitely hear Mark. Okay, so kind of the history of it was, so they had Blink, and then Tom wanted to go do his own thing with Boxcar Racer. And he brought Travis with him, but he didn't bring Mark with him. And Mark, okay. apparently, that caused a rift between the two of them to where they were like kind of angsty with each other. Travis so is like, I just want to drum. <laughs> right. So then they come back together. Okay. Uh, and um, when Tom leaves again, that's when he leaves and forms Angels and Airwaves. I guess they had like some legal dispute where they couldn't use necessarily the Blink-182 name. So that's when they started Plus 44, which was Mark, Travis, and then two other guys that did that. Um, was that even a whole album or just a few singles? No, they actually put out an album. Okay. Uh, yeah, where your, I think it's where your, or When Your Heart Stops Beating. When your Heart Stops Beating. Okay. Yeah, it's a good album. I actually listened to it yesterday. Is After uh, Midnight a plus 44 song, or is that Blink? I guess Blink. Okay. And then another one that you might not be as familiar with is, do you know the Transplants? No. Okay, so that was another one that Travis Parker was in, but that was only him. So he wanted to do yeah. a blend of punk and rap. Um, so he joined a band called the Transplants where he does drums, but it's with like 
Tim Armstrong from Rancid, which is like a true punk. Like, oh yeah. But uh, if you listen to them, listen to Diamonds and Guns. I guarantee you've heard the song before. It's a good song, but I just, I've, it's funny to me that they've obviously they're so known for this, but they had so many side projects and things that went on going. But Mark's just kind of always been like, blink. <laughs> right. I think like a lot of bands need that to to keep the longevity because as you can imagine, the amount of time these guys have to spend together is insane. Like mm-hmm. no matter how much you like somebody and how creatively successful you are, at a certain point you're like I need to get away from you for even like a year and just creatively mm-hmm. do something else. So, it's probably a big reason why especially now in their older age they're able to get back together and be like, whatever creative differences we had, we're, we know we're awesome together. And if we ever need to leave again to do something as a different right. creative outlet, we will. Um, but we know this works. And I think that was another cool thing about this tour is, and they even said it in their in-between song banter, but they have that perspective now to where they can make jokes about like, why don't you go quit the band again? Yeah. I give them a lot of admiration for the fact that they've been together for 25 years-ish, of the three of them now. That's, yeah. that's hard to do all the recording sessions and, and, uh, you know, touring together. Like, again, that's a lot of time with people. So it can be very easy to be like, I never want to see your face again. All right, Lance, what's your next one? This one I'm actually bummed because I did not get to experience it because I had a dinner that ran a little long. And to be honest, I was sort of on the fence about like sitting through it, but now I really regret it. So what's your number two? Uh, so number two is, well, first my wife and I, when we go to concerts, we do our best to be there about the time that it starts. So I think doors opened at six and we were there at six ten, ready to go. Um, because we like the openers. Uh, one, I think it's really cool. You can find out new opportunities and hear some new music. Uh, two, you got to support those people because those are the people that are up and coming. And for them, that's probably like the biggest show they've ever played. So be there and support them. And three, Turnstile, who was actually the opener for Blink, I'd listened to them occasionally before uh, and was really excited to see them. And they absolutely crushed it. That was yeah. like the ultimate like setup for Blink to get me so excited and happy and ready for it. Um, just imagine, Jeff, the energy of Travis Barker on drums, but it's the entire band. That's Turnstile. Dang. They're all over the place. It's pure energy. Their drummer is also super, super talented. He did a drum solo similar to like what Travis Barker did. Um, that was really cool to see. And their music is kind of um, all over the place. Uh, they do some slower kind of jams and they have some others that are really high energy. <laughs> they have a little bit of punk influence. They have a little bit of electronic influence. Um, and I was really, really excited I got to see them. Like if they came back through our area, I would definitely, definitely go see them in concert again because they were great i'm gonna have to check them out now they have a pretty I, uh, good uh spotify playlist of them if you want to check that one out okay i will definitely do that i had heard and it, it might be a different show to just show but a few people were saying that there was also another band that played with them is that there was okay there was uh i'm blanking on their name right now it's like because the only one i saw promoted it was turnstile yeah so, so that there's like a band, poor band they didn't really get their name publicized very much so they, yeah, they went on at like 6.30. You know, they went on pretty early. Uh, not a lot of people in the seats then. Um, I, like I said, I don't remember their name. They were okay. Uh, they, they started, they, their opener was Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. So I was kind of geeking out a little bit. And like my <laughs> wife looked at me like, how do you 
know all these lyrics. I'm like, it's not their song. It's right. like a different oh, you're song. Like, like a diehard fan of this band. I didn't really like. <laughs> but um, they were okay. But again, it's just the the point of like, that's really cool that they're probably some. Just imagine being the band that's like playing the local L.A. San Diego scene. You're just playing like small little clubs, and then one day like your manager or someone reaches out and is like, hey, Blink-182 wants you to go on tour with them. Like, what do you guys think? Um, let uh, me think, yes. Like, at what level of uh, no hesitation do you just absolutely hop <laughs> on that opportunity? Because that's right. insane. Yeah, it is cool to see bands, like, in the middle of, you know, fulfilling a dream of theirs. But it's also, like, sometimes if you see a band before they really take off, like, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, where you've seen an opener before they really, like... <sighs> took like okay so we saw one direction several years ago and five seconds of summer was their opener and like they weren't super big then they'd only put out their one album i love um, five seconds of summer so i was like that was kind of cool that we got to see them really before they like just yeah really shot off so it's like the hipster version of like well i knew five seconds of summer before oh, yeah. they got <laughs> get to be that person <laughs> So speaking of these opening bands, Jeff, I think we should start a band. I mean, open for someone. I mean, if it uh, if the video game rock band translates at all, then <laughs> we have nothing to worry about. We are golden. <laughs> it's almost too easy. No, I did say once one time, even though I listen to so many different types of music, if I was to ever be in a band or like something like that, I would want to be in a band similar to like a Blink-182. Like I would want to be in like a fun, simple, like pop punk band like that. Yeah. That would be like my dream. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, you got one more. All right. This one is more of a general concert observation. And let me put on my old man yelling at a cloud hat for this moment. So if you're an older listener right now, this might resonate with you a lot. If you're a younger listener, then you're already probably rolling your eyes into the back of your head. Um, but there was something that I observed, and this is, a, a, I think, a key moment in my development as a human being and realizing that I'm officially old. Two things I will say. First off, and these are both interconnected, but it is amazing to me uh, how many people just like film an entire concert, like on their cell phones the entire time. Um, and that ties in specifically to the last two songs Blink performed are probably their two most popular songs or at least uh most well known in what's my age again and all the small things and there was a girl in front of us and to the left in front of my wife and i to the left who snapchatted the entirety of both of these songs and she was only looking at her phone as she filmed it like not at the actual performance and so i have lance two questions for you um about this number one when you receive these Snapchats, like, does anyone actually enjoy watching the, the film? Like, I don't want to see your video of a live concert. It does not at all replicate the experience. It's hard to hear. And then number two, <clears throat> am I crazy in just being like, put your phone down and enjoy it? And I'm not the boomer who's like, oh, technology bad. I just mean like, you paid a lot of money for these tickets. Like, watch it with your eyes and be there, like in the moment experiencing it. Am I wrong with that? Like, do you like, do anyone like getting these videos? And then what's your take on the, just stop filming and watch with your eyeballs. So to answer your first one, I feel like filming a concert is kind of like filming a fireworks show. 
like <laughs> you're not gonna watch it again like and no. if it if it was enjoyable for you cool but like nobody else is gonna give a shit that you just did that right um and to your second point too i'm 100 percent with you i have zero videos of that concert on my phone because i filmed Same. nothing i had it in my pocket the whole time because i wanted to be in the moment hearing the music singing along with it i wanted to be there and the one thing I did with my phone that my wife was like, put your phone away, was I would check the uh, set list a few times okay. just to be like, all right, what's next? Or just mainly to be like, how much of this do I have left to enjoy? Because yeah. I was like, I hope they have like nine or ten songs left. I think I told you that I had found the set list when they first started touring and then made the playlist on my phone in order. <laughs> yeah. I had listened to it so many times that I think I knew every song that was about to come on. So I was like, all right, they're about to do this song. Yes. Here we go. Oh, that's cool. And I was like strapping for it. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I've filmed stuff at concerts before. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to 100% hate on that, but it's kind of like you film it. And then am I ever going to watch it again? No. Yeah, what do you do with it? Would I rather just experience it? Yeah. Like it's, it's like when you said when the, the lights go down and you know that the band's about to hit the stage everyone got their phone out, started recording it. Like they had to get the moment when they hit the stage. Like it's not that big of a deal, guys. It's like, and they didn't even have like this grand entrance. They just walked out on the stage. Yeah. Like, I know. oh, wow. Cool. Like, like, yeah. What do you do with that video? You're not rewatching it. We both know that. And even if you are, it's, it's like underwhelming. Yeah. I think it's like what we talked about on a previous pod, like how Garth Brooks is banning cell phones because he wants people just to be present at his shows. I don't see a problem with that. I think it's a good idea to go to a much more simple time and just enjoy being there. Like, I don't need to watch you record. To your point, record on Snapchat. If you sent me a Snapchat of, of right, if you sent me a Snapchat that long, I would just probably just remove you as a friend. <laughs> I mean, how quickly are they just going to click through that? Like, oh my gosh, you're not watching that. Yeah, it was the last two. Anyway, that was my old man yelling in a cloud moment. I made a comment to my wife at the concert, and she was like, I don't disagree with you for sure. It, it was wild from my vantage point because we could obviously see, like, all the floor seats. And, yeah, I would guess 80% of those people, boom, phone right out. You could see the light yeah. on it. It's wild. <clears throat> well, I love that you ended yours with kind of like a like an old man complaint <laughs> because <laughs> I'm also going to end mine with kind of an old man complaint. So, it set me up really well. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and preface and say, I don't want to sound like an elitist or anything like that before I say anything that I'm about to say. And again, to my previous point, like I said earlier, this is one of the best concerts I've ever been to. It was awesome. So fun. Great, great music all around. But they played like 25 songs, I think. And I get it. You play the 25 songs that are your hits and that are more well-known. That's great. I understand the appeal. But you got to play some of the deep tracks for some of us that have been like the loyal fans for a long time. That's kind of my my POV. Um, To put it in like a wrestling speak like I always do. Like WWE will do like callbacks where for like the loyal fan, the person that's watched week after week, year after year, they'll do stuff like 10 years later and it's like a reference to something that happened previously. And it's for those loyal fans. It's for those people that are diehard, not just the casual, but the person that's really there. So my thing was, again, they played a bunch of songs, and I get they have a pretty expansive discography now. They probably have on record over 100 songs, if not more. Um, But play some of the tracks that maybe didn't make it into 
like the billboard top 200 or didn't have the little star asterisk next to it on Spotify or whatever, like play me some play rabbit hole, play, uh, play violence. Boxing day is my favorite Blink-182 song. Like, okay. So like, like I love obvious, like obvious is my favorite song that Tom all belongs of, to sing the song. Yeah. All of self-titled is incredible. So like there was so, I feel like so many opportunities, like, and even like if I could have gotten to hear go live, Oh, that would like be how cool. cool that would have been to have go, like go. the drums just pounding along with it. Like, I would have loved to have a handful of those, two or three. And I get you're not going to play a bunch of stuff from Dude Ranch because that was pre-Travis, so you play one song there, and you're not going to play a bunch of stuff from California because that's with Mark Matskiba. That's that's what I was it, wondering. They, was the only one they played from that? They played um, Cynical and they played Bored to Death. Yeah, I knew they were going to do Bored to Death. Yeah, I figured Tom would be like, yeah, I wasn't even part of that, guys. I don't want to do that. Right. Like, and I, so I get not, but like, California to me is like an underrated album. I get, it didn't get a lot of notoriety, but if you listen to it. San Diego it's, too, rocks. It's, yeah, it's more mature, for sure, but mm-hmm. it's amazing. They didn't it's, play She's Out of Her Mind, which is probably the most poppy song off that album. I love that song. <laughs> me too. I, I would have loved if they could have, and I, I understand not doing this in every city, but if like. Matt Skiba had been able to come out and perform some of those songs and with them, like how cool. Yeah, I wonder what been. his and Tom's relationship is like. Cause like Tom can't be mad. Like, dude, we, you left, you know, like, right. It wasn't like we replaced you with Matt Skiba. Yeah. I, I just think that would have been cool. Cause I, to my point previously, and again, I'm going to sound like a blink hater, but I'm not. Matt Skiba's voice is better than Tom DeLonge's voice. Just yeah, Tom. Tom voice is incredibly unique, but as a, just a pure vocalist, I don't even think that's really an argument. Right. Like Matt and, Skiba, yeah. and Tom's voice didn't sound the most stellar I've ever heard it live. I will say that too. But, yeah. Um, so yeah, if you could just play some of the deep tracks, I get you have a big discography, you have a lot of stuff to pick from, but uh, play some of the stuff that is, didn't get as much notoriety because that would have been really, really cool to see as well. <clears throat> And Lance, you would know this better than me, but on these big tours like this, like, is it typical? Because it's just the band. I would want to mix it up. Like, are they going to play that set list the whole tour? Yeah. That's wild. Like, why Why wouldn't you yeah. just sub in a few songs, like, have, like, these three songs where it's like, these are going to be interchanged every single time we play. You don't know what you're going to get there. I think it's, one, it makes it easier for, like, production, the lights, the videos and stuff that goes along with it, because it can be right. universal across the entire set um but to your point like like taylor swift she's doing that she does the same show but every concert that she does she does one song that's unique and it's only going to be played at that concert so everyone that's there is the only people that ever get to experience that particular song and she does it acoustic and is it played at like the same time in the show so it's always like song 32 ends and then song 33 is her random whatever that's cool and that would have been cool, like if they could have like stripped it back and done like one acoustic song, but it was always it was unique to whatever area they were in. How cool would that have been? That'd be awesome. Like, I would geek out. Speaking of Taylor Swift, I did love at the very end when Mark played. Uh, yeah. Never getting back together. And then he played one other Taylor Swift song, like uh, just a big riff from it. What was the other one? I can't remember, but that was awesome. It worked out nicely. Yeah. And my wife loved it. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that was my wife was jamming out to that part. Yep. 
I know that's why I knew. Yeah, she, my wife knows a lot of Blink just because I play it all the time, like around the house. But even then, she's like, "Hey, this is a little." The Venn diagram is crossed over just a little bit into mm-hmm. the music that I love as well. So definitively, kind of wrapping it all together, Jeff. You said this was the third time that you've seen them. How does this mm-hmm. this particular show rank compared to the other two? So this one has to be top. Although I th- I saw them at Barclays right like pretty much right after Matt Skiba joined the band. And I think they sounded better then, but just the nostalgia and the feelings that I had with this show and like the emotion I had going into it, um, I just think really in, increased my enjoyment level of it because it felt like a monumental event for me as a Blink fan. So I'll put this one at the top, although if it's just like objectively saying their musical performance, this is number two behind the time I saw them right after Skiba had joined the band. How many times have you seen him? You've seen him more than this. Was it? No, oh, this really? was it. Cool. Yeah, this was it. I, I'm trying to think of because I had the opportunity and I was interested to go see him because I also wanted to go to the one that you went to where they were doing the entirety of Enema of the State and they were with Lil Wayne. Yeah. But I didn't end up buying tickets. But I really wanted to go to that. But Lil Wayne was awful. At yeah, that. that's what I, I remember you saying that. But played for like 12 minutes and then. <laughs> I actually said that because I remember you had told me that before. So I told my wife when we were on, I think our on our way there, because I said that you had seen them before. And I said, yeah, he saw them when they were, when they were Lil Wayne. And she goes, they were with Lil Wayne? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, for a little <laughs> I said, yeah, but Jeff said he only played for like 10 minutes. And she was like, well, yeah, because he like gets too messed up before his show and then can't perform. She said he did the same thing at Coachella. Like it really? could, he got so like unabilitated and then he, that he like, couldn't go out there. And then he like blames it on like the energy of the crowd is what I've seen. He's like, man, yeah, we didn't have enough energy. And I was like, (laughs) bro, we paid to see you. Like, how does that work? Like, do you get your money back if a guy just doesn't come out? No idea. That's insane, man. I'd be be so livid. But again, I guess. Yeah. So luckily with him, like I wasn't going to see Lil Wayne. Right. I thought I thought they might do something cool where like Travis would drum on like one of his songs. Mm-hmm. But after Lil Wayne left and Blink came out, like that was it. They didn't even pop back out, which I was mm-hmm. fine with. I was like, just yeah. stay away, bro. They're doing Enemy of the State. We don't need you. <laughs> but the the Lil Wayne fans or the Wheezy fans who were there, they were very upset. <laughs> and I was I like, I can imagine. Be like, what just I, happened? <laughs> I know. I was like, I get it, but also, yeah, like you said, he kind of has a pattern of doing this. So mm-hmm. you know. Can't don't don't invest too much money into potentially going to low Wayne concerts. I think it's the moral of the story. Yeah. So yeah, I just... mean, if if you're him and you do that repeatedly, like you cannot charge that much for tickets, right? I mm-hmm. just can't imagine people are willing to line up and pay like, you know, hundreds of dollars and be like, I hope he feels like performing that night. Right. That's crazy. I mean, you always hear about people that have the opposite, like they like overperform, like it's like he's T Swift, right? Was it her Nashville show where it was like yeah. raining and they had to yeah. delay things? She performed to like 3 a.m. and paid a six right. figure noise ordinance fine for her fans. Good for her. She rocks. She's kind of the best. But yeah. we'll, segue, we'll segue this one away. And in the end, overall, Blink 182, A plus performance. Teacher Absolutely. stamp of approval for sure. All right. So we will uh, round this thing out with the exit ticket. This is not. Blink-182 related. Um, so if we lost the casual listener, you can now come back just in time for the exit ticket. This is something from uh, this last week that really got our attention. That could be a TikTok. It could be a internet deep dive. could be an article. So Jeff, go ahead. What is your uh, exit ticket for today? 
All right, so this one's pretty simple. It's a BuzzFeed article that I found um, that took a post off of Reddit, and it was asking people to share the most brutal insults that they've ever heard in real life. So either like people near them saying them to each other, or some of these people, uh, the insults were said to them. And then a few of them, these people, and again, it's a little like, come on, dude, something you said, but it's things that they have said to other people. Mm-hmm. So basically just like the worst roast of all time. So I'll only read two or three of these, but I will link the article uh, at the bottom of the podcast episode. So if you want to go check it out on your own, you can. This one, Lance, uh, says, quote, my mom, this is a someone talking about like their mother treating their kids a certain mm-hmm. way. She says, my mom never treated my kids very well, not bad, but she wasn't really loving toward them. Mom and I were talking about my oldest who was 18 at the time and had been dating the same guy for a few years. My mom says, quote, so what's going on with so-and-so? Are they going to get married? I say, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. Mom says, quote, I just don't know that I'm ready to be a great grandmother. Well, you could always try being a good one first, I said. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Which, like, I feel, I don't know if that really, I don't know. That's, just, like, so clever. I'm almost like, did you really think of that? Mm-hmm. Off the cuff to say to your mom. That's one of those ones that you, like, think about an hour later. Like, dang it, I should have said this. I do that all the time. I, like, lose sleep over stuff like that. Um, where's the other one that I wanted to read? Uh, All right. While discussing divorce, my ex-wife suggested we have a child to fix things. I told her having a child with her would be the equivalent of littering. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, That feels like it happened in the divorce proceedings for them. Number Um, 10. You can't you can't say 10 on the pod, but that is a. Dark one right there. Yeah, I I wanted to (laughs) skip over that one. But yes, that is a ruthless, ruthless one. Uh, The last one I'll read is number 12 on this list. It says, my 15-year-old niece lives with me and my wife because her dad doesn't have a job or a house. She got her first job, and he, her unemployed dad, starts telling her she's too young to have a job. He says, quote, you're too young to have a job. And she replied with, you're too old to not have one. (laughs) Boom. Mic drop. Yeah, at that point, you're, like, really just messing with fire. If you're unemployed, not by choice, and you're telling someone, don't get a job. What? So you don't have any say in this ruthless insults. If you go through them, there are a lot of them that aren't appropriate to read on pod, but they might make you laugh. Lance, what is well, your exit ticket? I think well, we're also going it. to BuzzFeed for years. I did. I did. I also dove into the world of BuzzFeed. <laughs> um, so I found this one and I thought it was interesting uh, just because this is kind of the way that the world is changing a little bit. This article is 19 things only rich people have that people will be, that people think will be normal for everyone in five years so these are things that are usually only for upper class citizens but they think are going to be more of a societal norm within the next five to ten years i'll just go through a couple of them just like jeff did i don't want to go over the top too much um number one cosmetic surgeries um so people getting plastic surgery i do think that that's kind of going to be on the rise Uh, i think it's getting more acceptable as a society and uh, you can finance these things kind of like a car. So you could have know, wild. a nose job that you pay off for the next five years, which is interesting. But <laughs> You're paying off works. your nose and I'm paying off my Honda HRV. Yes, whatever works for you. Um, one that really stuck out to me, and I'll throw a, a throwback here as well, but it says number eight. It says, every 10 years for the past five decades at least, 
Once expensive TVs have become the normal, normal TVs and a new, better type of TV has been invented for the rich. If the pattern holds in 10 years, everyone will have a 70-plus-inch 4K TV that covers an entire wall. And it'll be like $200. 100% true. Like, so to, to go back to this, my parents had a 36-inch tube TV in their living room. Wait a thousand pounds. That went out. Okay, so they had to get a new one. And we went and bought, my dad bought a 65-inch tube TV. It was so big, the thing was on caster wheels. It had to be rolled because you couldn't even pick it up to move it. And I want to say he paid $2,500 for it or something like that at the time. A 65-inch TV now is probably what? 600 bucks. Yeah, I saw at Walmart just the other day as I was getting like some items, there was a 50-inch TV that was 250 That's insane. Yeah. Like I'm not a big TV guy. Like that's not my thing. I, mean, I think we have our biggest TV is like 42 inches. Like we're not those people. I don't care that much, but – they used to keep getting cheaper and cheaper. I might. It's wild. A monster TV. And then uh, the last one I'll go with, and I've, I've heard this before. Um, number 13 says electric vehicles. Teslas have already started to come down in price. And in the next five to 10 years with the company coming out with a $25,000 car, people will finally be able to live their fantasy and own one. That's true. I've seen that the price of a stock Tesla and a stock like Nissan Altima they're pretty comparable they're living in like opposite yes, directions yeah. in the price. Like it's crazy. I don't want that because those Teslas sneak up on me in the parking lot sometimes when I'm out on carpool duty. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we once we get to the point where like it the it's kind of pervasive the technology to power them, like charge them, then mm-hmm. like I would be totally into buying an electric vehicle. Yeah, same. One kind of tying into that on your list, actually, the very next one, ever since I saw the movie Minority Report, I've been hoping this would be a thing. And that is autopilot on cars. Mm-hmm. So I think it was like last year in it was like Pittsburgh. I think Uber was trying out some self-driving cars. Yeah. And the technology was not where it needed to be. Like I think within like the first day, one of them like ran over a fire hydrant or something. (laughs) But that would be awesome. Like, can you imagine getting to the point where it's like you get in a car and you're not even worried about it. You program in where you want to go and you can just sleep because the thing will drive you there. Like on a road trip. I don't know if I'd ever get to that point. Don't you? Wouldn't you <laughs> just have like an anxiety-induced attack by like? I would. Yeah. It's got to be to the point where it's like you've done it so many times that you know there's like a zero percent chance. Of- like the the only way that I feel like I wouldn't have that is if every single car was on this autopilot thing too. Because yeah, that, that's true. I trust the technology more than I trust the people. Hundred percent for sure. I've so, seen some awful people drivers. Oh my. I, I almost got hit that. twice just like going down the to the store today. Like, what are you people doing? But insane. Yeah, th- th- that article will be linked in here as well. Check it out if you're on the poorer side like us and want to see what we'll be capable of getting by the time we hit our forties. Sounds lovely. Which is which is so soon, sadly. God. <laughs> so Blink, we need you to come back around again before I hit forty. Just because <laughs> I know the, all those guys are approaching fifty now. So, which is. Uh... All right, we'll we'll tie this one up. Um, Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. A little bit different than usual talking about, you know, a concert. But hopefully you found something you can take away from it. Um, As always, in closing, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Music. Email us, teachersbyday at outlook.com. And 20 episodes in, we're still talking about Twitter and IG. And I guess there's a new one now with Thread coming out. I was going to say, right? should I just change the notes to Threads? Because sure. I feel like by the time we actually get a Twitter account, it might not even be a thing. Or I know. Elon's kind of driving that one into the ground, isn't he? Yeah, he's 
it's been a rough uh, couple of years. Good for him. <laughs> not going to say he deserves it, but yeah. All right, Jeff, any closing words for the people? Um, just pull over for emergency vehicles. There we go. Speaking <laughs> of bad drivers, because it, I, I've noticed an issue where it's like people either try and like beat a emergency vehicle to a stoplight or they just kind of like ignore it. But you never know where they're headed. Could be someone you. from your family. They're going to help. I love it. This guy's <laughs> coming out with the. I'm going to Bob Barker it for for this one. <laughs> Don't forget to get your pets spayed or neutered. All right. There you go. Someone's got to say it. You guys have a good one. We'll see you guys around the pod. Cheers.